0: Welcome to Film Script. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. We're here to talk about My Bloody Valentine, starring Jensen Ackles, Jamie King, Kerr Smith, Betsy Rue, and Tom Atkins, written by Zane Smith and Todd Farmer, based on the 1981 screenplay by John Beard, and directed by Patrick Lucier. released in February of 2009 in 3D, on a budget of $15 million, grossed over $100 million worldwide. So, Brian, why are we talking about My
1: Bloody Valentine on Filmstrip? Well, it's Valentine's Day, and what better way to celebrate the loving, awesome couples' day than by watching a slasher flick? <laughs> well, I I have many friends that would agree with you, and the horror fan in me can can
0: uh, not disagree. But it is an odd choice, and so we need to give a little bit of background on that here, Brian you know, I've established myself as the horror fan of the film strip crew. And you and I do the art of slaying the Buffy of the vampire slayer retrospective, which in one of its forms is a horror related kind of show. But where are you on like horror films and slasher films?
1: Well, uh, not as into them as you are, I would say. I, I really, it's just another genre of film that I'll pick up once in a while and watch. It's, I'm not a hardcore slasher kind of guy. In fact, If you looked at my collection of DVDs, I think pretty much all you'd find are a couple Stephen King movies and then Freddy Krueger. I've got all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But other than that, not a lot of horror in my collection. It doesn't mean I don't like it. I actually do like horror films. It's It's never one of those films I rush out to see. Hmm, interesting. Well, I did go see this one when it came out. It was one
0: of those things I looked forward to. I got sucked in by the trailers, knew of the original that was made in 1981 as well. And I had a good time with this in the, in the 3d realm. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the effects in this thing. I, I happen to like it. I thought it was great. Did you see this in theaters or was
1: this a rental for you? This was a rental for me that I just saw for the first time for this podcast. Oh, wow. So this ought to be really interesting. Well,
0: Let's get into it. We'll do a quick plot summary and then get into what we think about the film. Haunted by the memories of a massacre that took place in the mines of Harmony, Pennsylvania on Valentine's Day a decade ago, Tom Harrigan, played by Jensen Ackles, returns to his hometown to finally sell off the mine that his family owns after his father's died and hopefully find some closure. But of course, soon after he arrives, a pickaxe-wielding madman begins a new bloody rampage. Thomas's strange friends, the cops in town, and even Tom suspects that the murderous miner has returned to claim his final victims, including Tom, and it's all a big mystery as it unfolds. And there's certainly a lot more that happens in this, but that's really kind of the plot here, Brian. I mean, we have a, a movie that sort of unfolds over decades, but most of it takes place when he comes back to town to resell the mine. So I want to talk about this, the start here, the way they open it up with all the... TV, radio broadcasts, and all the headlines of the original accident. Tom is working in the mines, and he forgets to bleed the lines. And I'm not a miner, so I don't know what all that means. But apparently it it traps people down there. And in that process, a miner named Harry Warden goes insane and just kills everybody else around him. And that's known as the original Valentine's Day Massacre. And in that process, the mines kind of take a bad name. Tom is disgraced. And of course, Harry Warden is knocked unconscious and all of this and goes into a coma in the hospital. And that's really how the film opens. How did you you know, take all of that? Being this the first time you saw it, I knew what the story was coming in and I really kind of liked it. I thought it was
1: neat. Well, I was, uh, I, okay. I was under the impression that um, when this first started happening, that uh, Tom wasn't even involved. I didn't, Think the kids were even involved at this point. I just thought this was uh, a backstory of the guy in a coma, and that he had been in a coma for some time. So I was really confused. I think from the get go, on how this was playing out. I didn't really get that this had happened recently, and now these kids, for some reason, are playing at a mine.
0: What, what happens is when we open up on the kids having a party at the mine on Valentine's Day, it's been a year since that happened, and Harry Warden wakes up in the hospital. The way it's told, the way I've always read it, is this is what is going through his fevered dreams as he lays in this coma, is everything that happens. And Tom was a worker. He's a young guy. He's a teenager, sure, but he works at the mine. He makes a mistake. A lot of people get trapped. and I mean... And, in today's time, especially with what happened to the Chilean miners and stuff. I mean, this is kind of a sort of twisted to think about it like this in a, in a slasher film, but this kind of stuff can happen if you're not careful. And he gets kind of blamed for the accident. a in the same way that the media would hype up, like, how did this happen? How do we trap these people down there? And why did this one person go mad? And it's sort of all Tom's fault. That's the way they kind of paint it from the start. And then a year later, Harry Warden does wake up. He comes and he attacks all those kids having the party there, which include Tom and the sheriff Axel, played by Courage Smith, and then Sarah, the girl that they're kind of both in between, and Irene, the slutty girlfriend of Axel,
1: and all the, you know, the other random people that are there for the slaughter. So that's how it sets up. Yeah, I, you know the the one thing I take out of this, you know, I didn't get that. You know, I didn't know it had been a year. I either I missed that in the opening part of it or or whatnot. But I sat there thinking, you know, why are these kids stupid enough to party at a mine? It makes no sense wait, to me. Wait, so. Go- because kids party anywhere in slash film, yeah, right? and, and and kids party anywhere in real life. I mean, I went to a party in a cornfield for God's sakes. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I guess I can see that this happens, but it just seems like a weird place to party. And if the mine isn't shut down, which it wasn't, correct? The, the mine was still active at the time. The, the mine was still active. The mine, is, so, the mine is active throughout the film. So yeah, right. So how, why is some? Why are people allowing these kids to sit out there at a mine? I mean, I, it doesn't cap- make sense.
0: I tell you, it, it doesn't make any sense. But there's there's something you have to do when you go into slasher films, all right? And you, you <laughs> forget you, reality. Well, yeah. Well, beyond <laughs> beyond that, I, there's a suspension of disbelief, but it's what I call the acceptance of absurdity. Because if you can accept <laughs> the absurdity of the plot setups, then you can go for the ride that is the film. But if at any time you try to apply logic to these films, the plot would unravel. Like at any time in the original Halloween, if somebody had just turned on the lights and called the cops, it would have never happened. It would have all been <laughs> over. But and, yes. and if the cops had actually said, hmm, a mental patient escapes, maybe we should look for him instead of like, ah, he's probably, you know, playing in the woods, it wouldn't <laughs> have happened, right? So so you can't apply that logic. It is the absurdity of it. But the idea is that Tom is sort of blamed by everyone that for for what happened, even though he didn't kill anybody. Harry Warden wakes up and goes on a massacre through the hospital. Now, I, I liked that, and I'm not a gore hound, but I really thought the killings in the hospital and the taking of the hearts and all the splatter on the walls and writing messages and stuff. I thought that was kind of hokey, but it was really cool. Like, this whole thing is played, and you gotta understand, like, in my mind, this film is made in the post-scream world, but it's not trying to be that sort of ironic. Scream. I know what you did last summer, urban legend kind of movie, but it's aware of that so that it just sort of plays with itself. I like that. I thought it was fun and it was a really quick way to get everybody into the story because the story very clearly is going to be Axel, Tom, and Sarah. I mean, they set those up as the central characters from the start.
1: Yeah, they really did. I mean, they start even before the, well, actually right after they, they get out of the, he escapes from the hospital and leaves the, the mess uh, you get to see the whole dynamic between those two. You know, Axel's with, uh, Sarah and he's talking about why are you with Tom, you know, oh, you gotta wait for Tom and, and all this yeah. stuff. And, you know, yeah. they set that up very plain and clearly that these three have some sort of a triangle going on between them. Axel's in love with Sarah. Sarah's in love with Tom. Tom's in love with Sarah. It's a whole big mess of, of a thing that goes on throughout this movie. So I like that. You got it right out the bat. And I think that that was a good way to go. And then, you know, they start going down into the mine, and I'm thinking, are you freaking insane?
0: Well, they're trying to figure out where all their friends went. See, because what's (laughs) happened is, and this is what's amazing to me. Harry Warden gets out of the hospital, kills the entire hospital, goes to the mine, and takes out an entire party of teenagers. Now, I didn't exactly, like, hang out with the roughest people in high school, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure, like, 30 of us, not everybody was going to get whacked. You know, but he kills everyone.
1: Everyone's getting killed, and Tom gets left behind by his friends. Well, even before that, too, the, 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 the thing that really got me is that you've got three of them sitting there hiding in what is virtually plain sight, right? They're, they're hiding on, on a corner of a wall, and uh, Harry goes walking past them. I can I can I can get that. That's fine. I can believe that he goes walking past them because who's you know gonna look there? It's dark, whatever. But when the idiot moron who comes in and starts yelling, "Hey, is that you? You know, Tom, is that you?" Blah, yep. blah. When he comes in there, and starts yelling, and Harry turns ar- around, how does he not see the three of them right there? That, see,
0: I thought he did, and that's where Tom got left behind because after he kills the useless friend number
1: three real quick, that's when everybody's running out of the mine. But he doesn't see them. That's the thing. He he focuses on that on that idiot kid, and he goes after that idiot kid. And it isn't until the, he kills them that the other three make a noise, and then they have to run. So he doesn't see that they're there. You would, I don't know. It, it seems it, again. It is uh, it is a little absurd. It is a little odd. The whole point is that
0: we want to feel like Tom has been left alone and kind of neglected by everyone. Right. Yes. And that, and and I mean, you get the coolest scene is when you know the, the girls are in the truck and the miner warden throws the pickaxe, and in 3D it looked awesome. I mean, it stops you know right before one of them because it hits the windshield. Yep. The cops show up, they chase him into the mine, and then that's that's it. We cut till years later, so you know we we can assume the
1: cops kill him. We're not really told what happens. Well. We do see them shoot him a couple times, which I made a note, you know, first off, it was, you know, real good friends when they just leave you to die because that's what they did. They left Tom to die. And but the police arrived, you know, just in the nick of time and they shot him a couple times. So my note says, you know, it takes a pretty tough dude to take the bullets that he took and just start walking away. So it's left to assume that they got him or he got away at that point in time. But he was shot and wounded.
0: No, no, you're right. And now I, I got to We got to talk about Burke, the
1: the old sheriff, Tom Atkins. Did you
0: recognize him, Brian? Because he's a mainstay of these B movie, sci fi horror flicks. He's been in a ton of these things. He was in Halloween three, season of the witch. He was in this great movie called uh, Night of the Creeps. Uh, he's been in all these kind of things. It's just sort of, he always kind of plays the old crusty, crotchety, irritated adult. <laughs> and that's sort of who using creep show. I mean, he's been in all that stuff, so he's been around forever as a horror legend. And I love the fact that they got him in this. He's he's a lot of fun to watch.
1: As he's the one who who gives us a, a good line at the hospital when they find all the the bodies. It says, I "Think I waited too long to retire?" Yeah, uh, that was a, a hilarious yeah. line. I um, just,
0: I, I wanted him to do the airplane. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue because that was sort of who he was playing. Anyway, <laughs> it, was, it was the Lloyd Bridges character. But Yeah, I, I love it. I thought he was great. But they, they give chase into the mind and then we're left to 10 years later and we flash forward. Now, how were you on that? Like, I, I'll tell you, when I first saw this, I was like, I needed to see a resolve of this. I don't need to have to put that together. You know, I, the horror movie is already asking me not to think too much. So now it turns around and asks me to think.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't really care. It didn't bother me any that we we flash forward to this because I figured we were going to get the whole reasoning, everything is the way it is now, uh, as we went through the film. So I, I was okay with the flash forward without any kind of a, a resolve. Um, but I was still a little confused at this point in time at where the heck we were. You know, <laughs> w- what well, had happened to was, because my thought was that Harry went on a rampage and killed a bunch of people in a mine. Then years later, he wakes up from his coma. He goes out and kills some more people. And then now we're here again years later still and what's going on. So I was a little bit confused at this point. It is a little odd. They don't give
0: you a lot. But that to me – I'll say now that is one of the intriguing parts of the plot. Oftentimes in these, these horror movies, they explain almost too much. So you just feel like you're just sort of sitting there. You know, this one sort of asks you to go along with it. And I, I mean, I said a minute ago, I was like, yeah, it's asking me to not think and then to think, but it kept me engaged. Like I was wanting to know what, what's going on. And I did find it quite humorous that we flash forward to 10 years later and no one looks like they've aged any from high school. They're just wearing old people clothes, which I thought was hilarious.
1: (laughs) I I disagree a little bit. I thought that uh, I didn't recognize Sarah, uh, to be honest. I didn't recognize that's who that was when we first got to see her again in the the shop. With uh, Yeah, I I didn't know who that was right away. So I think they did a good job aging her, but the rest of them, yeah, I agree. They kind of looked like the same. Uh, Axel's got a little bit more hair, scragglier look going as the sheriff, but otherwise... Yeah, they look pretty much identical, but I thought they did a good job with Sarah because I really, honestly, didn't recognize that that was her as we flash forward. I, I hadn't picked that up right away. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, well, I
0: I they had no problem following her. I did. I did think it was funny though that Axel and Tom didn't look like they had changed. They just now had grown up clothes on, you know. Yeah, and so, well, so and,
1: and like I said, Axel had a little bit more scraggly of a hair look. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, he looked haggard. I think that he's supposed yeah. to
0: look like he's. He's the sheriff, so they can't make him, like, a drunk or anything. But he he's just supposed to be stressed out. And as it goes on, we find out why. I mean, he's having an affair on his wife. His mistress is pregnant. he He's kind of to- – and then his old rival comes – you know, you kind of get that, that vibe from those two. Comes back into town, weird stuff starts happening, and his wife starts acting weird because the old boyfriend's back- – I mean, he's got – the man's got a lot on his mind, you know? Yeah, I,
1: and I like how they did that, too, you know, the whole thing where – he sneaks off to go be with his mistress, and then she lays the one thing that if you're cheating on someone, you probably never want to hear—that the one you're cheating with is bearing your child. I mean, yeah, oh, oh yeah, sh- nothing can be worse if you're if you're a cheater to hear that news. Oh I mean, but, yeah, but uh, I thought it was great for his character. How's he going to manage this? And then of course, Tom shows up in the grocery store that Sarah works at, and then you see. There's still feelings there between those two, which is kind of cool. And, of course, she goes and looks at the, the picture. And, and a little bit later, we see that Axel has found the picture lying out. So they're building that tension very well in this, I thought.
0: Okay. Did did you start to get the feeling that they're painting Axel as someone who's shady from the start? Because he's a gruff guy. We already talked about how he looks. He's the most profane sheriff I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, yeah. he uses some foul language in this, and I expect a little bit of that in a horror movie. Man, he was pushing it a lot. I mean, he cussed out the cops, he cussed out his wife, he cusses out his deputies, he cusses out everyone.
1: Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked it. I thought, and I, I, agree. I think that they, they made it clear that this is someone to watch throughout the film, and they, and going on, I actually thought to myself that uh this is the guy i'm I'm paying attention to this whole film this is the guy i think is is doing what's what's going on because they just they really did a good job of putting that into your mind because axel is always showing up after all the gore and guts take place and i like that yeah they do and we, we get to see tom back
0: in town we find out his dad is dead and that he now owns the mine and he just wants to sell it so he goes over to One of the older men's house, Ben's his name, and they're having this whole bit about, ah, your dad would be disappointed. And it looks like Tom doesn't care and he just wants to get out of town as fast as he can. And that's when we catch up with our fourth character that's the survivor from the second massacre, I guess, in the film. And that's Irene at at the hotel with the trucker.
1: Yeah, this was a little uh, huh. raw. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know that. To, to be honest, I didn't even put that together that that's oh, who that was. That is that is <laughs> Axel's old ex girlfriend. So, She's <laughs> now pretty much a hoe. So. Yeah, here's my thing. I got to this point in the movie, and I made a, a, a note. It's the chapter called "Clearing Things Up," right? Yeah, I made a note. My note says, so I don't know, did what happened in the mine at the outset happen in the past? And now we are fast forward to the present with Tom coming back. That's how confused I was at this point in the movie. And so, yeah, I didn't, you know, see, first time watching, I didn't even catch that Irene was one of the original people. I just thought, okay, she's this hooker who's... Banging the the, uh, the trucker, truck driver the tr- who and, is
0: taping it, we might add. Too. Yes, and yes. she doesn't know that. Now I'm like, I I don't know. I I'll say this: I've seen a lot of different plot summaries that call her a prostitute or call her a hooker or just call her sleazy. I don't I don't know what she was because he throws money at her and then she goes and gets a gun and chases him. Well, start
1: raving naked into the parking lot. Well, she throws the line at him that says, you know, I'm not a hooker. And so he pulls out some cash, throws it at her and says, tonight you are.
0: Hmm.
1: Maybe she she was just kind of slutty. You know, I don't know. Well, and that's, I'm getting the vibe off this whole town. About that, because then <laughs> we see the little midget who's owns the hotel coming in looking to get some from that trucker too. It's just bizarre. It is.
0: Weird. It is this whole small town thing, and they play with this. And Brian, you, you, I grew up in a relatively small town. You did too. Look, there's this whole mentality in movies that small towns are all about the local shop. You, know, Sarah works at the local grocery store. It's not a chain. The mine is like the the company town. You know, and and if if the if. Tom sells that off. They're going to shut it down. Everybody's going to lose their jobs. And they, they reference that multiple times through the film. And I mean, it's like everybody's identity is sort of tied to this one little place in Pennsylvania. And now we might should add here, this is Pennsylvania in February. It's still covered in snow, usually. So, usually, but, yes. but everybody's <laughs> running around in shorts and, you know, T-shirts <laughs> and, and jeans. But here nor there. You know, again, you, you can't apply that kind of logic to a horror movie. It's it's the acceptance of absurdity. So anyway, but yeah, everybody's filtered through that little small town kind of depressive thing. You know, it's everything's sort of falling down. It's that it's that old village, old allentown song. You know, everything's down, but it's our kind of down. You know, so everything is really, I don't I, depraved is really what the word is.
1: Yeah, it's it's very interesting, uh, but again. And- and like you said, I came from a small town. Uh, the town I came from didn't really have a particular industry that kept it alive type thing. But we did have the local grocery store. We had the local movie theater. I guess that's where all the kids had their jobs in high school. Other than that, uh, you know, it was just a, a small town. Everyone knew each other. Everybody knew each other's business. And uh, so they played well with that, at least here. I, I like that aspect of it. But again... I'm not familiar with the one industry takes over a town, but I have seen it. I have seen yeah. it in other small towns.
0: Yeah, we've seen it. But they, then we get into the next kill because, like we said, Irene has chased the trucker who's treated her like a hooker because she is going to have her revenge. Yeah. Into the party. And he calls her, like, you don't have any bullets in that gun. And great 3D moment again. She squares him right in the face with that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, he hits it. So he climbs into the truck and whack. There is the miner with the pickaxe who just slaughters this guy out Uh, of nowhere.
1: And it was gruesome. Right through the skull, too. Just, oh, how nasty do you got to get? Some of the kills in this are just unreal. They uh, what are. they do. But uh what what blows my mind after this is you know, she goes and hides underneath the bed and he comes in looking for her. He, that's when the, the the little midget lady comes in looking for a little sum sum from the truck driver and she ends up getting Basically the axe through up <laughs> she, through the chin yeah. and then thrown yeah. up into the ceiling. Which yeah. She she's a own. she's a
0: little person, we should add. Yeah. And he, yeah. he lifts so, he like throws her with the axe through the yeah, ceiling. Yeah.
1: I, I think I think midget covers little person. But. <laughs> Cut that, <laughs> yeah, Cut but what, that. So, yeah. yeah. But what really drives me wild is you know, she's under the bed and she she sees the the lady getting killed and, and makes a noise and that's how he finds out where she is. And then she goes on and <laughs> She takes the bed frame and tries to use that as a shield, which is a mesh wiring, basically. That's not going to protect you, honey. Yeah. Obviously, you're dead. If you're hiding between a wall and a wide open bed frame, you're dead. And it doesn't take long. But that just blew my mind. Would you not run?
0: Uh, you'd think, but there's really nowhere for her to go. He's got her caught in the corner of that room. And, yeah,
1: but she's got the bed frame. She could toss at him to distract him and then take off.
0: You, you'd think. I don't, I, I don't know. But she's there she, to be murdered it, because, look, she, she's, she's got something, like you say, that's got mesh through it. What's his weapon? He's got a pickaxe. So exactly. it's built to go. Th- and what does he do? I mean, he gets her. It's not just once, Brian. It's again
1: and again and again. I mean, he slaughters this woman. Oh, and he does it throughout the whole film. I mean, after they're dead, he keeps axing these people over and over. It's oh, yeah. We, we, should, we should
0: add Harry Warden's, you know. MO was to rip out their heart with the pickaxe and he's been doing he did that in the hospital when he escaped and now it looks like that's what's happening again because when Axel and the cops all arrive on on the scene that's what they find and they find that Irene's heart has been taken out
1: of her body I mean it's it's quite gruesome they get away with a lot of gruesome violence in this thing yeah it's pretty good and it, but it's smart you know it's a play on the Valentine's Day here's a he puts it in a candy box and and gives it to people, you know, yeah. one shows up for Axel. Yeah, at, but it's our yeah, yeah, yep, the uh-huh. heart and you see the nice hole in it from the pickaxe, it's oh, just well done, I thought, but uh, totally gruesome. You know, another good scene in this that comes after this is, is at the bar when when Tom shows up to just kind of relax. And all the old guys get ticked at him, and you see the old man trying to beat Tom up. I thought that was hilarious.
0: <laughs> it is, and that's why I go to that same thing. That from the beginning, this is all Tom's fault. You know, that Tom is supposed to be the character that we, we empathize with the most because he he was a dumb kid working at a place he didn't care anything about. He made a mistake. It cost people you know, they trapped him. That did not kill them. we got to admit that it, they they were just trapped. They were not dead. Harry Warden killed him, but because that happened, because Tom had trapped him, he gets blamed, and he kind of carries that guilt. Jensen Ackles is a guy who does a lot of daytime TV. He's done a lot of different kinds of movies and stuff, but he can really wear that sort of emotion on his face. You know, we talked about how Axel Kersmith looked real haggard. Jensen Ackles looked like to me like he was a real tortured guy. Like He really that weighed on him a lot. But when the old guys turn on him, it's hilarious. Like it's played for laughs, which is why this movie is so funny to me because that should be really serious. We should really empathize with Tom, but you can't help but not laugh. He's getting his butt kicked by the old guy at the bar.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. Are you meant to empathize with Tom, or are you meant to en- empathize with the old guys who are not only ticked off at Tom because all of a sudden they think that Harry's back, but also because Tom's trying to sell off the mine, which all of them believe will cause them all to lose their jobs. So they're ticked at him for multiple reasons here, and, and it's it's really interesting. I don't know if they wanted you to empathize with Tom, or if they wanted you to em- empathize with the town's people who are going are looking at their livelihood being taken away.
0: That's a good point. That's interesting. It. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. that's a good point, Brian. And maybe maybe it is supposed to go both ways. Maybe or maybe it's just another misdirect. You know these these things are full of these. We don't know. I mean that that could be what happened. But it's I don't know. It's played really well though. I mean you're constantly being moved though. I mean we should say this movie is an hour and forty minutes long, which for a horror movie is kind of getting on the upper end of how most of them run. And it's never slow. It's never boring. This thing moves from the start, and part of that is the way it's shot. The way they shot it in 3D. It's not just that you know shots are coming at you in 3D. The whole thing's in real you know 3D, real D. So it kind of looks like the whole room is always kind of moving when you watch it in 3D. And when you see it in 2D, you you can still kind of get that perspective. I mean, it's I mean it looks really good. I mean it's a really crisp, clear look. I don't know about the disc you saw. The one I got was a great transfer. It looked incredible.
1: No, yeah, I agree. I I saw the same exact stuff. You know, the, it looked you could tell where the 3D stuff was coming because it looked really sharp coming at you, uh, even in the 2D realm of it. So I, I like that too. And you're right. I mean, this, this thing is this wall-to-wall action. It doesn't stop at all. Uh, the only time it really stops is probably the next scene that comes up where, you know, he's talking with Sarah again and explaining how he lost his way and and, you know, everything that happened to him after after all that and how he had to come to grips with it. And that's why he's selling yeah. off the mine. And yeah. what I re- really like about this is, is, you know, she's trying to understand why he left them. And my thought is, you know, if your friends left you to die like that, would you really want to go see them again? I would run off too. I My friends yeah. just left me to die. Why do I need to be here? Yeah, I
0: mean he and, and on top a couple on top of it that the whole town blames him for any of it even happening and to begin with, I, I see why the guy left. But in that process he changes his mind about selling the mine. So he, he tells Bid to go meet him down at the mine and he goes down to one of the tunnels and, and goes through and in that process we see we see a big turn here. Tom's heading towards some equipment and he gets hit from behind by the pickaxe and locked up. Now, this is the weirdest thing to me. When I saw that, I was like, why did he not kill him? Why is this minor killer person, or is it Harry Warden's ghost, or whatever it is, why they lock Tom up? But then you see everybody else starting to get slaughtered again, and there's Tom helpless to do anything about it. And I'm like, this is the juxtaposition of Tom's life. He's always on the outside of it, but he's helpless to do anything about it.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you what I thought while I was watching this, is is that... uh if this was actually um, Harry Warden sitting there, you know, he Tom is the one that he almost got before the cops saved him in the first place. Right. So he's making Tom watch him slaughter this guy. And he doesn't go after Tom only because the other people are coming into the mine as he's finishing whatever he's doing to this guy because the guy is completely dead and he's still slaughtering him with the pickaxe. But he's making him watch. So that's my thought as I was watching this at that point. I'm like, wow, this guy is so sick. He wants Tom to witness this whole thing. Yeah. He, well, he's taking out the heart is what he's
0: doing. I mean, he's yep. taking the heart. Out. And and as the other miners run up, the Harry Warden or the miner, I guess we'll call him, runs off. They find Tom. They see Red, who's been murdered. There and of course they you know, they unlock Tom and they take him to the hospital to sort of look on him. And of course he tells his story to Axel and immediately Axel's like, "No, nope, Harry Warden's dead. Ben was in you know Tunnel Three. What what are you, you what are you telling me? He doesn't believe him at all. It's more tension between Axel and Tom at that
1: point." Yeah. And they actually get into a little fight as they're sitting in the police station, which I thought was good and take them, uh, takes it out. But what I liked about this, too, is that we finally get to hear, uh, the, the story, uh, that Van and Burke actually killed Harry Warden back in the day and they buried him, but they didn't tell anyone about this because they didn't want people to know. And, but now the sheriff spills the beans because Tom's claiming that Harry's back. Okay, can I say this though? This, this is one thing that did bump me a little bit. That's always bugged me. Burke was the
0: sheriff, okay, and he killed someone who was mass murdering people, and then he tried to cover it up. I think it would be justifiable if the sheriff blew away the guy that slaughtered half the town.
1: I, I don't. Yeah, I did kind of. Did you not find that a little odd? Yes, I thought it was it was odd, but I liked the story. I thought it was it was interesting enough. I was willing to to push that aside. But yeah, I agree. The sheriff. Probably would have been a hero. Yeah, like I would have, I would have bought it if he had been a reporter on the scene, and him and this
0: Ben guy who was running the mine took matters in their own hands and went vigilante. That I could get that. I would buy that, and that the whole town kind of knew it and just didn't say anything about it. You know, because Axel knows it. I mean, he knew about this. He he's the one that said, "Take us out there and show these people what where Harry Warden is, so they'll shut up about it." I mean, he knew it. So I, I did think that was a neat reveal, though. I did like the fact that it was like. It's because it's another reason to point a finger at Axel, right? It's like, aha, see, he knows. And, of course, what they find is that the
1: grave has been unearthed. Right, which I thought was a neat little twist. And, it, you know, you knew that something like that was going to be the case because it always is. And so I like that they did that. And everyone's looking at it like, whoa, crap, what the hell now? You know, what are we going to do? And, of course, Axel goes right, right away and says, you know, we... We got we to lock Tom up. And they're like, oh, you can't. You have nothing against him. What are you going to do? He was locked in a cage when this guy was murdered.
0: You know? Right. Which which is, which is the fact. I mean, that's what we know. So it's like, well, but but he he is blaming Tom the whole way. But every other thing is pointing at him. Yep. And I think that's interesting to, that they just play that from almost from the beginning. But as the killings start, Axel is just convinced that Tom's involved with this. And everyone else seems to be looking at Axel, going, "Maybe you ought to turn that finger around, pal."
1: And I, I, I think it's it's done just very well, and I like how they were doing this because I, I was talking to you as I was watching this, and like I said, I I thought I had it all figured out. I I said it's got to be Axel. Axel's the one who's doing this, you know. And so, yeah, they were totally pointing the finger at him, and I bought it, hook, line, and sink. Exactly. So we go back ahead, and Tom's hanging
0: around the mines at, at dark, and. I, I, what was he doing hanging around the mines? Is he waiting to find the miner? Is that it? I don't know. It's very weird what, what he's doing just hanging
1: around. Well, that's exactly what it was, too. He, he, wanted, to, he wanted to go after Harry, Harry, right? And he says that. You know, I'm going after him. But my thought was, you know, what a moron to, to even think about going into the mine by yourself. You know, you're one dude against a, a murderer. But then he sees a light up in the we, the woods, so he goes chasing after that, and I'm thinking this is even dumber, because this this killer can hide, and you're running through the woods not knowing where to go. He just has to jump out, and you're dead. It's, anyway, it's, it's, that That's what he's doing, is he's going after Harry, basically.
0: Yeah, Tom is, is looking around, and then we go back in town, Ben is at home, and he's He's drunk and he's playing with his shotgun. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what, you know, anyway, he's playing, the. You know, he's playing with the gun. Of course, he starts hearing things happen. And what happens, of course, Harry, you know, jumps out of the shadow's head. That was a good jump. I don't know about you. I I literally kind of, you know, jolted a little bit. Even seeing it again this time, I thought, oh, that was well done. They they really paced that just right.
1: Yeah. And man, what a way to go out. Oh, yeah. He gets shoved the And he's <laughs> just staring it down before getting shoved in it. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, another brutal. one
0: Another one of those great 3D shots that if you don't see it in 3D, it still works in its 2D yeah. form. Like, oh, so, you know, so many times these 3D movies, when they become 2D, they're just, oh, they're just terrible. But that that worked. I mean, it was so, again, it was gruesome, but it was, I don't want to say the word satisfied, because I'm not trying to make a lot of death <laughs> and things like that. But for a horror film, it was very fun. It was neat to watch. I mean, it really worked, you know. And, of course, the call comes in that, Axel, that Ben's dead. And of course, Axel's sending his deputies over to watch his kid. And they're going over to try to figure out what's going on. I mean, it's all, I mean, everything is starting to fly at this point, you know. Now, that's when Sarah and Megan, who is the mistress, the pregnant mistress um, to Axel, are trying to close up the little grocery store. And the miner appears out of nowhere. Now, I liked this up and down those aisles. It was really, it was very Freddy Krueger esque the way he kind of stalked them.
1: Yeah, I like this too. I thought this was one of the the better scenes in this movie that I really enjoyed because you would look down the aisle, there he is standing there. They would come to the aisle and he'd be gone, and I just liked how the whole thing was done. I loved how he busted the the frozen food area open and she hits him with a piece of frozen meat. I thought that was pretty yeah. good <laughs> to get away. And you know, just, my note says, you know, cheaters never win, and Megan is toast. She gets pulled out of the of the window and she's just gone. Now my fear at this point, and this is kind of sick and wrong is I, and I was hoping they wouldn't go there and they didn't thankfully, but I thought that we were going to see Megan cut open and the, Oh, that, dude! Oh, that would have been gruesome. Oh, That would have been terrible. But would it would have fit horrible. because then yeah. you would have had Sarah seeing the the pregnant Megan while Axel sitting there, and it's this, this scene that she admits to Axel that she knows what was going on. That's, and
0: see, that makes me wonder, Brian, if there wasn't something else that maybe got cut because this thing, I is already an hour and forty minutes long. If something got cut, that teed her off, or if she's just not as a al- as aloof to it as maybe. We think it is. I mean, it is a small town, right? There can only be so much going on. Maybe she knew, maybe she didn't know she was pregnant. I'm with you. It could have They could have gone there, but I'm almost glad they didn't. And that they let, they didn't. Yeah. And that they let her reveal it. Like, I know you were sleeping with her.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and they set it up, I think throughout this movie to make us think that she basically settled for Axel because Tom left. And, that's why you can buy that. She knew he was cheating and didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, I
0: think that's exactly what, what they're, yeah, they're trying to set up for you. So, but, and, and I think that's a good point is that she settled for him, but yet she's the one that's faithful to him.
1: You know, it's yeah, not I faithful think that to her. In the end, she's the one who actually loves him over anything else. And I think she proves that for him in the end. And then I think, You know, it's up to him to realize that he was because I think Axel this whole time has always feared the fact that Tom would come back and he would lose her. And now Tom's back and he's going absolutely nuts. So she's proving her love for him, even though she knows he's paranoid about it. So we flash over
0: to another house and Axel and Sarah's kid, Noah, is being babysat by Nora or whatever her name is, the house sitter. And of course, what happens? But. The miner shows up and slaughters her and puts her in the washing machine. Now, how did you go with that? That was kind of
1: funny. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting. I I mean, I don't know that putting her in the washing or the dryer like that would cause her to flare up the way she did right away. (laughs) Because I'll tell you what, Uh, you know, God loved my mom, but she she had fried my cat. Uh, in a dryer by accident. My cat, she was doing whites and I had an all white cat <laughs> and the cat jumped in when she was wasn't watching and sat down to lay down to sleep. My mom kept throwing the clothes in, closed it up, set it to go, went off, came back a little bit later because she heard it making a huge noise, open it up and there's the cat dead. But uh, it didn't look like that. I'll tell you that much. Talk talk about gruesome. It it is. But so I was kind of a little bit surprised when they open up the dryer and she comes out and she's completely fried. That just wouldn't happen. But but again, but again, if you accept absurdity, you go
0: with it as part of what happens here. But (laughs) the, the important thing is Burke is there. The old sheriff guy has come to the rescue and he gets slaughtered, too. And at that point. When I was when the first time I saw this, I said everybody's gonna die in this movie. Oh, yeah. oh,
1: everybody's yeah. getting killed. I tell you what, though, I am so glad that they didn't kill the little kid.
0: Oh, oh, that would have been yeah, too much. No, you know, that, that well, when I was, when was I, like, oh, when I was watching this, I my movie mind is thinking, I'm like, the kid's gonna be the killer in the sequel because everybody else is gonna get whacked <laughs> in the whole town and he'll pick up the mantle. You know See, that. My, it,
1: my worry was you had. uh you have Burke walking around the outside there and he's staring something down and there's a window over there. And I'm just fearful that he th- sees the kid moving and he's going to shoot. That's what was going through my mind. And thankfully, they, they didn't go anywhere near that. It was good. But, uh, yeah, the kid survives. And, and that also puts a little thought in that it could be Axel because these are, this is his house. Yeah, and he lets his kids survive, but the house sitter gets to gets roughed up. And yeah, that, the house
0: sitter and the old sheriff, the retired sheriff, get killed. So that's yeah, that that could have been it. That, again, another finger pointing toward Axel. And Tom goes and picks Sarah up from the hospital and try and that and he just comes out and calls it out. Yeah, Axel is doing all the killing, and I love that. Right at you know that moment, she gets a call from Axel, and he says the exact opposite thing, and he gives a huge reveal that Tom had been in a mental institution for seven years. Now,
1: did that telegraph anything for you, Brian? Well, you know, we were talking about this as I was watching this, I and I said, you know, it's got to be Axel unless what? They're doing a fight club-like situation where he was in a mental institute, and he's got multiple personalities, and he's— thinks he's seeing all this happen, but he's actually doing it. And that's the first glimpse that walked into my head that this could actually be Tom the whole time. And and that, that that was the first time that when he mentioned the mental institution, you and I were talking and I'm like, you know, the only thing I could see is that they go with the fight club thing where he doesn't realize he's actually committing everything he's seen.
0: Yep. So she drives the car off the road like she causes the car to wreck. And she runs and she calls Axel and he tells her, go to my dad's old cabin, which is the one, you know, he, um, which is odd. It's the one he was cheating with Megan at. And it was also the one Tom ran off to when he was hanging out around the mines. And, and we see she finds like hundreds of these little heart shaped candy boxes everywhere. So, again, that I mean, right after they point a finger at Tom, they go right back and go, oh, this is
1: Axel's dad's place. Here are all the boxes where the hearts go. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good too cuz then again I'm thinking, oh, you got this scenario over here with Tom, you got the but everything says Axel, Axel. So I'm still thinking it's going to end up being Axel in the end at this point. But so yeah, and that that helped kind of solidify it a little bit. But I love what they did here when they went back to the mine and she has to she has to pick it. And I love what Axel did. I thought this was great. He says, "You know what? Just shoot us both." And then what happens? Tom goes, "Wait, what? Whoa, no." No, no, yeah. Don't listen to him. There, you knew right then that it was Tom. Uh, yeah, and the great reveal.
0: She's like, he's right behind. He, you know, he's going. He's right behind you. He's right behind you. And we see the Harry Warden minor walk right through. And I mean, then it was like, like you said, it was Fight Club. And we get to see everything else. We see all the other murders happen. For the way we thought we saw him, we see Tom doing him now. Even the ones in the mine where he was trapped, he killed Red and then locked himself in as the other miners. I mean, it was really, and I got to tell you, I thought it was smart. I was, I was thrilled at this point. I thought that is so cool because for a, for a cheesy, dumb horror movie, they've taken a really cool trope like out of Fight Club and really turned it on its head and used it well and then the the great reveal is Axel says that's right isn't it? Harry and he goes oh yeah you know and you can tell it's on at that point that, that was incredible
1: that was really good and I like how they, they made Sarah realize that Tom was the killer as well not just the whole Tom backing off the shooting both of them thing but then he goes and mentions the crime scene with Megan of which he had never seen he wasn't there and she, he claims she told him, and she's like, no, I never told you that. Yep. And I like that. I like that a lot. She's definitely the smartest person
0: in this movie. So that's that's what we know from this. But it all comes down to Axel gets hit by the, by the pickaxe, but he's not dead. They're, they're trying to get away from Tom after they've knocked him out. He gets up with the axe. He's coming at him, and he gives Sarah the gun and says, I got one bullet left. Because, of course, you can only have one bullet left, right? And she, he's like, "Don't miss." And she, and I love that It was again, it was a great 3D shot. It looks still looks cool in, in 2D. She blasts him through the stomach, and it goes out of his back, and of course hits a propane tank, which Steven Spielberg taught us in Jaws will cause a massive explosion, blows up the mine around him, and it all collapses on Tom, and that's that's where it is. You know, I mean, that you know, the next thing are the rescuers there, and they're pulling her and Axel out. Now, I want to talk about. Well, first off, I mean, what did you think of the shot? I thought it was awesome.
1: Oh, yeah, I liked it a lot, and I thought it was genius to, to shoot him where she did shoot him, where it goes in and out, it, it, it entrance and exit wound, and then hits that uh, gas line, and the gas starts going up, and you just knew, oh, crap, you know, this is going to be bad. She knows it. She runs and covers herself and axle up while the whole thing blows. And I was, I was really surprised to see that it didn't do as much damage as it, as it could have to Tom, even though we're left to believe that he's toast. Uh, buried under all this rubble. Uh, but then, you know, the medics come and he's live and he's saying, or they're saying, no, don't worry, buddy. We're, we're going to get you out of here. And I liked it. I thought it was great. I
0: thought it was great. And then you get the, the right through the eyeglasses and you almost knew it was coming. You're like, oh, yeah. oh we're getting the POV shot. Here comes the pickaxe. Thwack. You know, and and you see that, and of course, Axel and Sarah have you know been taken out, and he's on the gurney, and they tell each other they love each other, and all this stuff, and I guess you would after all of that, oh, yeah. and and they leave, and you see the rescue workers all coming out, going, yep, all clear, and you see one kind of get away from the rest takes off his mask and looks around and it's Tom. And then he just walks away. And that's it. it. And I remember you messaged me everything. You're like, I love that he gets away. And I said, yes, because the killer should always walk away at the end, whether there's a sequel or not. And there won't be to this. They're not going to do another one that he should walk away because it's, it's satisfying.
1: Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a great way to end this movie because you're, you're left thinking, okay, he's still in the mine. He's, He's going to, you know, maybe when they do a sequel, he'll be in the mine still and haunting the people who work there. But I like that he came out in disguise and he walked off a free man. I thought that was a genius move. And it yeah. does set up a sequel very well, which, like you said, they're not doing.
0: Yeah, which is amazing considering how much money the thing made. But uh, they're, they're not going to go there. So whatever. It, it is what it is. But, Brian, we're at the point of the podcast where we got to give our recommendation and popcorn ratings. So... What's your recommendation and popcorn
1: rating for My Bloody Valentine 2009? Well, my recommendation is if if you like horror films, and I know there are people out there who refuse to see them, but if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you like horror films, go out and see this one because this is really, really a fun movie. It's a great movie. And like I mentioned throughout the podcast, I was confused a little bit for a while. But once things really started picking up, that confusion went away and I just really got to sit down and enjoy everything that was going on. And, and I really liked it. So for me, I would give this a large popcorn. I think this is a fantastically fun movie. Brian, I'll echo
0: what you said there. I like this movie a lot too. For a horror fan, it's satisfying it for, uh, even if you're not a horror fan, you just want something that's a good jump scare and, and a little bit of, you know, fun. This movie's fun. It, 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 is kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. I think we've pointed out a lot of that. But if you just go with it, it does keep you engaged. It doesn't ask you to completely turn the brain off. And it looks incredible. It's one of the best shot things they've made. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this. It's the best horror reboot they've done yet, and I've seen all of them. I've seen Texas Chainsaw, I've seen Friday the Thirteenth, I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I even saw the Rob Zombie Halloween ones, and while I like those, those were really different takes from the others. But in terms of doing a reboot that's supposed to be real, uh, you know, faithful to what the source material was or whatever I thought this one was incredible it looked great it was a lot of fun so I highly recommend it and I'll tell you folks you can rent this thing in 3D and watch it at home but I I would not recommend that you give yourself a pretty good headache doing that at home Uh, this looks good in 2D it really does you can watch it and have a good time you'll tell when it was supposed to be 3D and you'll go ah that's where it was 3D so I recommend it and it's a large popcorn for me too not an excellent film by any means but hey it's a lot of fun and hey you know on Valentine's Day if you're with your sweetie and you want to do something a little different, watch something a little different than maybe your usual Julia Roberts rom-com that maybe Annan and I talked about before, this is a good one to go with. So I recommend My Bloody Valentine as well. Thank you for joining us for this review on Filmstrip, folks. Look, you can check out our other reviews in the archive section. Leave us a comment in the guestbook. Find links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, all at ContinuousPlayPodcast.com. We've got a lot of cool things coming for you. Uh, Of course, as you know, we're doing our bi-monthly podcast now called Filmstrip Sessions, where Anna and I talk about movie news and notes, and we've got a lot of other films we're going to be doing this year just for you guys. So thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. For Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip on Continuous Play.